Hello everyone and welcome to AWARE. We are Paula and Lisa, two students of the Bachelor of Global Sustainability Science at Utrecht University. In this podcast, composed of five episodes, we will have several guests and discuss fast fashion and its possible solutions from many different perspectives. From the history of fast fashion to the latest and most innovative solutions, we will have a journey to explore slow fashion, ethical consumption and circularity in the fashion industry. This will go hand in hand with inspiring discussions with experts and entrepreneurs that have first-hand experience in the industry. We are here to start a discussion about a topic that touches upon all of us. You wake up in the morning, you open your closet and you choose something to wear. Either it is a suit, a uniform, a pair of jeans or a fancy dress, it has impacted the world more than you expected. Are you ready to know more about it? Then stay connected with our podcast to find out. Welcome to the third episode of the Aware podcast series. Today, the theme will be slow fashion, with a focus on ethical production and consumption. We will have very special guests joining us. But first, let's go back to the basics. Lisa, can you tell us a bit more about what slow fashion is? Of course, slow fashion is an awareness and an approach to fashion which consider the processes and resources required to make clothing, particularly focusing on sustainability. It involves buying better quality garments that will last for longer, and it values fair treatment of people, animals and the planet. The term was first coined by author, design activist and professor Kate Fletcher. She defines slow fashion as quality-based rather than time-based. Clothes have become more accessible. We are buying more and more of them and wearing them less and less. For this reason, many people started to think that we need a fashion revolution, which mainly consists in slowing down. The English fashion designer and businesswoman Vivian Westwood summarizes slow fashion like this. Buy less, choose well, make it last. We have all experienced staring at the closet in the morning and thinking we have nothing to wear. But it has been proven that having more clothes does not make us happier. By buying less, we can also buy better, by prioritizing quality over quantity. In this episode, Lena, climate activist and director of Collection from the Slow Fashion Movement, will explain better the meaning of slow fashion, and she will talk about the crowd action to raise awareness about the fashion industry and the role of consumers. Then, Luz and Ruda from Bibenni, a local startup that creates sustainable fashion from recycled festival banners, will share with us their experience from the business and insights regarding the relationship between small local shops and fast fashion firms. I can't wait to hear their perspective about it. How about you, Paula? Yes, indeed. I think it will be a very interesting conversation. But this is not everything. We will also discuss the ethical aspect of consumption. What is ethical consumption? Well, Ethical consumption is about making the connections between a product, where that product originated, and in what context it has been produced. It requires consumers to think before they shop, to consider just how their lifestyle affects other people and communities, as well as the environment. An ethically informed consumer realizes that when they buy something, they are not only buying their product. In fact, when you buy clothing, you are paying a lot more than the clothes themselves. You're voting on what kind of manufacturing processes you support. And if you buy 5 euro t-shirts, you're voting for paying workers low wages and poor factory conditions. 
While we expect systemic change to occur in political forums and ministers' offices, people like Greta Thunberg and Marala Yousafzai demonstrate the far-reaching impact on, of individual action and commitment. So what can we do to start to consider the ethical aspect of our clothes consumption? This is a list of individual actions that consumers can implement in their daily life, made by Natalie Clock, founder of the Instagram account at Lemonade Amsterdam, for the blog of Academics for Development, Utrecht. Choose fair brands, which produce clothes that respect our planet, people and animals. Think about organic fabrics and good working conditions. Choose local brands who produce and sell in your own country. Buy smart, items that will last longer than one year. Think about it. Only buy what you will wear frequently. Key items you can wear with the rest of your wardrobe. Thrift. Find some good thrift stores in your neighborhood and visit them once in a while. Why buy a new coat if you find a great one secondhand? Swap. More and more swap events take place. You bring in your pre-loved items and can look for pre-loved items from other swappers. But you can also do this with friends. Rent fashion. Fashion libraries where you can rent exclusive clothes are gaining popularity. Repair. Become friends with your local clothing maker and repair your loved items. Care for your clothes, like the good friends they are. Wash cold and not too often. Wow, Lisa. I am definitely going to be thinking about these actions of my daily life. But now it's time to introduce our first guest, Lena from Slow Fashion Movement. So, hi Lena, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. It's a sunny day. I'm happy. Yes, finally we get some sun. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just uh, dive right into the questions. And our first question for you today is, um, we're really interested in your project. Uh, you created the Slow Fashion Movement, which quickly became a global collective. In 2020, around 11,000 people participated in a fast fashion no-buy campaign for the entire summit. We find this like such a great achievement, of course. So we are curious, can you briefly tell us how it all started? Yeah, happy to tell. So the story of slow fashion season started before me. So three years ago, slow fashion season was a campaign on the crowd acting platform Collection. And you can imagine crowd acting is almost the same as crowdfunding, but then it's with actions. So you say, if 30 people sign up to all eat vegan for a month, we will all do it. And three years ago, there was a campaign called Slow Fashion Summer then. And then 2,500 people for the first time joined to say, we're not going to buy any new clothes for the summer. And this campaign started because people had seen a movie about the fashion industry and just felt, ah, this impact is shit. We really have to move away from it. But if we take action as individuals, we don't make a big impact. It's a bit like a drop in the ocean. But if we work together, we might be like this wave of change. And the year after that, it exploded. So they did the campaign again. And that's when I also joined as participant. I was just one of the, one of the 15,000 people it was then. And then I was asked to be the director of collections, so the crowd acting platform. And I decided, I think slow fashion season as campaign has more potential even than the platform. So with a group of volunteers, like this global group of ambassadors, we said, you know what, let's turn slow fashion season, which is a campaign that happens once a year, into a global and long-term movement. 
And that was after the last summer. So it was uh, September 2020. We just changed the Instagram name into Movement. And we started looking for local groups and ambassadors around the world. So what started as a campaign with, let's say, eight people from the Netherlands grew on Instagram into a global campaign. And now we are a movement with 18 local groups around the world and 120 ambassadors. So there's like slow fashion Arab for your Arabic friends and there's slow fashion Belgium, but also India. And we're still very new. So there's a lot to learn and a lot to grow. But we're definitely a, yeah, a global community. That's amazing to see the evolution. And in your website, you also advise on practical conscious choices. Can you tell us more on what are these conscious choices you suggest? Yeah, so we see slow fashion, not just as sustainable fashion, but also as a longer, deeper relationship with your clothes. So sustainability is hot, right? But we think we can only change the economy if we also slow down a bit. And for choices, that means very concretely, first, use what you have. So we follow this hierarchy of needs. Like if you have something in your closet, that's the most sustainable clothing. Then swap it with your friends. So join a, a fashion chain, swap the things, go to a swapping party. Then maybe make your own clothes and mend the clothes you have. And only then at the bottom, let's say, or at the top, doesn't like depends on how you look at it, buy some sustainable items a few times a year. So we're not completely against new clothing. We're just completely against fast fashion. We want to end fast fashion as soon as possible. And we're very for swapping and using what you have. Nice. And do you think that three months is enough for people to get used to these practices? Do you have any data on people continuing after the three months of the challenge? Yeah, so that's a very good question because that's actually something we're going to do for the first time now. So before this, this was just a once a campaign once a year and the rest of the year people would be doing different things. So we didn't really have the capacity to do research or check up. But now because we are a more long-term movement and we have volunteers who are dedicated for a long time, we actually want to go check. So what we know now is that people sign up and we trust, right? We trust that people sign up, that they actually do it. And what we've also seen is that a lot of people start as participants and after that they actually join to be an ambassador or a local group or they join the team. So in that sense, we see the change. And I think with your question, like, is it enough? Of course not. Like three months is not enough, but we, we do think like this is a period that's long enough to make a new habit and it's short enough to not be frightened by it. Because there's also challenges that say, let's buy for a whole year, buy nothing. And I think that challenge is really good for people who are a bit deeper in. And we, we're, we're good, I think, for people who are curious. They know a bit about the fashion industry, but they still, it's a challenge, right? To not buy anything new for three months. So we realized that, uh, as you mentioned, people are not motivated to act in more sustainable ways because they don't see the long-term impacts of their action. And they feel their individual impact is not enough to change the current situation. Do you have any suggestions on how to motivate yourself to combat this feeling? Yeah, that's a it's a feeling I know myself very well, right? Like I've been a climate activist for five years now. And when I started doing making changes in my own life, I always felt like, yeah, I mean, it's me. But then you walk outside and you see like people shopping and flying and, and driving cars. And I think the most important thing with hope is that hope comes from action. So if you take action in your own life, it, it's already feeling better than if you're just thinking about it. And the second thing is, it's easier to stay motivated if you're not doing it alone. That's with everything in your life, right? If you want to have a new hobby and you want to do workout more, it's easier if you're doing it together with friends. And that's my biggest suggestion to anyone who wants to be more sustainable or even wants to 
contribute to any social cause, find a group of people or turn your friends into a group of people, right? With whom you can with whom you can share this path. And then the nice thing is the time is really changing. So we're we're living in a time where so many people are, let's say, waking up to this new idea that the economy is not working, that climate change is fucking shit and that we're in a crisis. And you see it in the streets, you see it in the supermarkets, you see it everywhere. So confront yourself enough with the information that motivates you to take action. So dive into the facts, dive into the sad parts, allow them, really allow the sadness because we are losing, we're losing earth, right? We're losing people. But then also always focus on the on the numbers of change. And this week, for example, I've been very fucking happy because Shell, our biggest fossil fuel company, got ruled fucking by the government, right? By law to follow the Paris Agreement. And these things, when I started in the climate movement, would have been unimaginable. Like no mm-hmm. one thought they would win. And it's these small wins like that I, I really keep close to my heart. And I'm like, ah, we did this together because all of us did. Mm-hmm. We all contributed. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really nice suggestion. And in your platform, you emphasize the power that a crowd can have in bringing societal change. We totally agree. However, we realize that in our society, often slow fashion is seen as an elitist issue that only wealthy people can afford. What's your opinion on that? Can ethical consumption really exist in the mainstream fashion market? Yeah, that's de- that's definitely a very good um, and sensitive question as well. So when it comes to ethical consumption... I'm not sure if that exists, um, like, let's say, pure, complete ethical consumption, because even sustainable clothing, you take materials from the earth and indeed it's quite expensive usually. So for me, it's more about a sustainable relationship with your clothes. And I think anyone can have that. And actually, if you look at class or let's say economic capacity, it's, it's mainly the middle and the upper class that needs to change. So... The biggest predictor of a sustainable lifestyle is just the amount of income you have. So with slow fashion movement, I'm also not asking everyone to make a change, right? Because a lot of people, my grandmother, she's this slow fashion activist just by being herself because she takes care of her clothes naturally. I'm I'm talking to the people who have grown up in a world where it's normal to keep buying clothes and who have the capacity, right? And that's actually, it's quite a lot of people because the middle class around the world, it's growing so much. So... No, it's not. We're not asking from everyone. A lot of people are already doing a great job just by themselves. And secondly, the most ethical consumption, of course, is using what you have and recycling that and using it in different ways. Um, so, Lena, I wanted to ask you, what does it mean that your movement is globalized? Yeah, so Slow Fashion Movement currently has um, yeah, 18 local groups, 120 ambassadors. And these are all people that are telling the story of Slow Fashion in their own language and their own culture. And that's very important because when we started with Slow Fashion, we heard from a lot of our ambassadors, which were just individuals spreading the campaigns, that there is such a lack of sustainability content and knowledge in non-English speaking languages or in different areas. So currently we have, for example, Slow Fashion Latam, which is for Latin America. And they say so much of the sustainability movement is English speaking and also doesn't fit their culture because... What I've learned from my ambassadors in slow fashion Latin, but also in slow fashion Arab, for example, in Sudan and Jordan, is that their relationship with clothing is much deeper in the generations above them. So my mother didn't sue my clothes, right? But for Hadil, an ambassador in Sudan, she has actually learned to sue her own clothing by her parents. And that's the same in Latin America. There's a bigger culture still of like this, these these local craftsmen that make their own clothing. And 
when I tell them, I told them at the start, I said, we have to go to a new slow fashion culture. And they said, that's such a Western perspective, because for us, it's not new at all. It was normal until Primark and Zara came from your countries and colonized our, our ours to sell our shit. So I think that's, that global perspective is really about how can we turn the slow fashion story? How can we integrate the different stories into the already existing cultural narratives? And how can we take the Western narrative out of it as much as possible? Because we are the ones that exported this mindset of consumerism and overproduction. And locally, that also means the funny thing is like I'm in the Netherlands and a few of the, let's say, founders are in the Netherlands, quite some of our volunteers. But with our thinking, we focus much more on the global sphere. And we try to support the local teams in doing what they can. So at some point, my, my dream is that the global team will not even do that much themselves, except for just supporting local groups to create their own stories and create their own campaigns. So right now, there's no Slow Fashion Netherlands still. So you're invited to, to, start, <laughs> to start the group, right? Um, um, and that's also because the sustainability scene in the Netherlands is quite big already. There's still a lot of work to do. And you see now that the de debate for us is, has moved from individual change more to system change. So like, yeah, like uh, policy protests and uh, things like the Shell case. Um, but what we've heard from ambassadors, even in Eastern Europe, also parts of it, like in Italy as well, is that some of the discussions that were happening in the Netherlands, let's say five years ago, are happening there now. And I think it's very important to give each country and each culture the a proper debate, right? To feed into the proper thing, but to also integrate that into each other. And that's how we're, um, yeah, how we're trying to do both. Yeah, indeed. Um, and uh, yeah, I do think uh, probably to people that are hearing this, there is room for uh, like a, s a slow fashion movement in the Netherlands. It's just that maybe the issues they deal with uh, are different than uh, other slow fashion. But that's the beauty of it. And that's also what you mentioned about uh, like each local group uh, having... Um, their own uh, view, right? Uh, yeah. And not trying to ex like just uh, get this Western view on every uh, slow fashion movement. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and for now, it's also the, the funny thing is we started during Corona, so right now that's most a, that's of what a great achievement. Yes, <laughs> most of what we do is very virtual, and I also I'm very happy with where we are. But of course, I'm also going to be honest. It's difficult sometimes because some people they want to join a movement and they end up creating Instagram posts because that's what we can do now. But I'm really excited to see that things are opening up a bit more now because what I dream of is that it's very physical and local as well so that you can just go in Utrecht, you can go to a place where you have a swapping party organized by Slow Fashion Utrecht maybe even, like maybe that level. You get, get to know people who care about Slow Fashion as well. You organize more political campaigns. But that's like the, the post-corona dreams I'm thinking of. Now, now we're just building, like, building virtually. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, we understand it's a difficult question to answer, but in your opinion, how do you convince a consumer to purchase uh, more costly slow fashion instead of fast fashion? Yeah, so I think one interesting already uh, observation, the word convince, I, I never use anymore. Like I feel I'm inspiring people or seducing them even or helping them, but I think no one's ever going to convince anyone, right? Like how, how often have you been convinced? But how we feel we can inspire people or help people is to make them think about their relationship with clothing in general and the amount of money they spend in general. So if you look at yourself, like if you spend, let's say, 200 euros a year on new fashion and you keep buying fast fashion, that feels like a good choice because you can buy a lot. So you can buy like 
but well maybe like a hundred t-shirts of two euro but usually the quality of the t-shirt is so little that you can only wear it for a few months and if in the long term you start thinking about your wardrobe as something that you build up for years and years to come and that maybe every year you add two or three new pieces that are maybe a bit more expensive right like maybe 50 or 60 euro but that you can wear for a lifetime then it, it's not expensive in the amount of use. So one thing that's good to do is always to divide the price you pay by, for something for the amount of times you think you're going to use it. And if it's 100 euro, but you're going to wear it a thousand times, it's not that expensive anymore. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a really, really, really great help. And the second thing is, I would say, is to start diving into the way that price has been made up. So we feel sustainable clothing is expensive, but it's actually not expensive. It's the true price. We're paying a fake price for fast fashion. It's, it's way too cheap. So someone else is paying the price. Either the workers are paying the price or the environment is paying the price. And if we do that, that might mean that a bigger part of our budget will go to fashion than before. So we're used to yeah, spending way too little on it, actually. And I think both from looking for yourself, like the calculation I said first, and then secondly, looking at why it's this price, it makes it easier to, to pay it. But then always with the comment I said before as well, I'm not asking someone who's already fighting to be alive with two jobs and four children. I'm not asking them to buy a sustainable jacket, right? Like that's a... Uh, no. Indeed. I think this is also like, it really reminded me um, of the the True Cost, the documentary about mm -hmm. fast fashion. And it's actually like the title really reflects like what you just mentioned, like the true cost. Like why is it that um, like our clothes are so cheap, right? Like it's not real. Like we need to realize uh, um, where is this, where are these cheap prices coming from? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we did a really beautiful campaign called Know Your Jeans, a storytelling campaign about what is behind a pair of jeans. So the whole like industry behind it, the different steps in the production process. And we worked together with True Price. They're actually called an organization in, in the Netherlands. And they calculated that on average, jeans should be 33 euros more expensive than they usually are. And that's if you include the whole, like the workers' rights, the different materials used for it. But they also research if consumers are willing to pay for that. And that's still quite, that's still quite difficult. Mm -hmm. but there's, there's small steps, yeah. Yeah, we mentioned consumers and we talk a lot about from the consumer's perspective. Uh, but do you think a bottom-up approach is enough to change the current situation of the fast fashion industry? Yeah, so that's when, when it comes to movement building, bottom-up and top-down are very intricately linked. So I believe in bottom-up pressure to install top-down policies. So I don't think we will get there by all of us changing our behavior only. Because if we exist in this system that is focused on economic growth and seducing us to buy shit all the time, we will keep buying that, right? Um, but I do believe that we can build societal pressure and also societal acceptance of certain policies. So with slow fashion season, we focus very much on the behavioral side. But with the slow fashion movement, we want to also be a supporter of the more political campaigns. So something we're thinking of right now, and that's we've, we've really started thinking of it, so you're welcome to join with the other volunteers, is if we can do something at the end of slow fashion season, which is in September, around the fashion weeks, to go there and maybe do actions and say like, hey guys, we just changed our behavior for three months. You as big brands and design companies, can you maybe make less seasons a year? Can you maybe use sustainable materials? And we're now also thinking of doing something around the climate negotiations that are happening in Glasgow. So fashion 
is not really talked about at all in the Paris Agreement. And that's logical because they started at a very high top level. But I think the stage we're in right now, because now the climate negotiations will talk a lot about financing, actually, we have to get into the details. So every industry has to be in line with Paris. And we still have to do research on this and work together with more policy-oriented organizations. But what I would love is that as consumers, so as slow fashion consumers, we say, hey, we're doing our part. Please make it easier for us to actually live a slow fashion lifestyle. And please help us change the fashion industry by installing these policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we completely agree, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a really uh, great answer. And we are coming now to the end. So as a final question, uh, we would like to ask you, what message do, would you like to send to the people that are uh, just first hearing about the slow fashion movement? Yeah, so I think... First of all, um, be like the two of you are and just go write your own story on slow fashion, right? If it's making a podcast or writing something, because the moment you interact with it, it's easier. And of course, like we're doing slow fashion season and we're doing it for the third time already. And it's a really, really easy way to get introduced to all of these concepts without a lot of effort. So until the 1st of July, anyone can apply. And then you sign up for three months of fashion detox. So you're not buying anything new. You can still buy secondhand. You can still swap. And throughout those three months with our global team of volunteers, we will give you all the content and education so that by the end of the three months, you can actually tell the story a bit more yourself. So definitely like apply for slow fashion season, I would say. And if that's too big of a step or too small of a step, yeah, check out our movement, check out our website, check out our Instagram. That's where we're most active and find ways to interact and If you hear me talk right now and you think, oh, I have I have better ideas, be welcome, right? Like we're a completely volunteer-run movement. Anyone who wants to come help can come help. And that's how we uh, how we grow big. Yeah. Thank you, Lena, for the very interesting discussion. After listening to the vision of Lena about the slow fashion movement, We realize that it is the perfect time for us to stand up for what we believe on and make a change. This brings us to our second guest. Be Benny is an example of how we can transform a vision into a real project. To tell us everything about it, we have here today Lois and Roda. How are you guys doing? Hi, yes, uh, yes, I'm fine. Yeah, looking forward to it. Perfect. Yes. Uh, do you want to introduce uh, yourself so that the listeners can know which one is which? <laughs> yes, I'm Luz. Uh, and I'm Roda. Okay, perfect. So our first question today for you guys is how did you come up with the idea of creating backpacks from festival banners? Yes, yeah, so um, it started with a group of four, four people uh, and they wanted to do something about the waste they saw around them. Uh, and first, they didn't thought of the fashion industry, but the, uh, they just saw the waste. And, and first, they thought about jeans, <laughs> because they saw a lot of jeans being thrown away after two years or one year, maybe. Uh, and they wanted to make bread bags out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm, but that was really difficult because of the hygiene. Uh, so after that, um, they they came up with the idea of banners, because they need to be thrown away after one year because of the set list and the date mm-hmm. um, and they're mostly with a beautiful design because all the festivals really invest in their design so um, then they created fanny packs 
Um, but uh, when Corona hit in, <laughs> they thought we we thought we make something more general. Uh, so we created backpacks, and that is actually how Benny came to life. Uh, I personally joined a bit later, um, but I joined after I made a, a paper about the fast fashion industry, and I was so shocked about it. Um, so I th- saw this as a beautiful opportunity to do something with it. Yeah, that's really nice. And do all the materials that you use come from the Netherlands? Can you tell us a bit more about the process and how do you get the festival banners? Well, uh, we contact all the festivals. Um, and actually, I I don't know if we can... <laughs> if, we, if all the banners are from the Netherlands, I actually don't think they are because they're made... I don't think they're all made in the Netherlands, but <laughs> if we don't save them, they would be thrown away anyway. So yeah. um, that's not really the most important part. But to make the bags, we also need materials, and these are uh, from the Netherlands. So nice. Yes, and also the uh, manufacturer is also a local entrepreneur in Amsterdam. So we really try to get everything local. Yeah. Nice. So we can see that local is something important in your company. So nowadays it is easy to feel that individual actions can hardly have an impact on such globalized problems. So do you think that a small business like yours can have larger impact on society? Well, yes, we believe our product will have a lasting impact, uh, mostly because uh, Uh, yes, we will first of all save some waste, so uh, that's some impact, but the most impact I think we can make is create awareness among people about the waste problem and about the fashion industry and the waste problem in that area. And we create kind of fashionable bags, so we also hope that we get a public that is not all into sustainability already, but because of our bags we hope to inspire them to become more aware of their consumption behavior, because We are surprised by all the litter we still see at the streets. And also, um, I once heard that uh, in the Netherlands, people wear their uh, piece of clothing only seven to ten times so uh, before they throw it away or discard it. So I was really shocked about that. And I think we can. there's a lot of improvement to make on consumption behavior. So... Yes, indeed, we go through this in another one of our episodes. But yes, it is true that the time that uh, pieces of clothing are being used by consumers is uh, each time reducing more and more. So this this is really important. Yeah, so we all thought about that uh, with our backpacks. So the quality is really high because we want people to use them like for over a year and not... <laughs> for a short time and then the banner will still be going to waste. So that's important for us that people wear them a long time. Okay, we know that from what we understood, your business started as a local small-scale startup. Are you planning to expand it in the future or will that be not in line with your ideals? For example, how do you see your business in 10 years? Good question. (laughs) So we're not actually planning on becoming like a really big company or something because we think that might be part of the problem right that there are a few really big companies that keep the prices really low so uh, that's not the plan but making more impact would be really nice and 
Um, yeah, so we want to grow, but not that big. <laughs> yes, and we also want to, um, I think if we grow, we, we really want to reinvest our money uh, also in the quality, but also talking with festivals how they can prevent uh, waste, because we see that as one of the big steps mm -hmm. in the future, that instead of just upcycling or recycling, it's also really important to prevent waste. Uh, we already had contact with, with a few festival organizations if they can um, also make the banners so that uh, we can use it well, so that the material is, is good to recycle and that the sizes are exactly correct so we can make exactly 10 bags out of it or something like that. But I think that is something we want to do if we grow bigger. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Like the partnership with the festival, like you can already see that you advance and uh, you're thinking like forward now, uh, which is also really important. Yeah, I wrote my thesis about uh, the circular economy and I also was uh, shocked about uh, how everyone is just focusing on recycling and that mm -hmm. also kind of keeps the problem up there because then you see waste as something good. Um, and it is good if you can reuse it, but there also needs to be a focus on how are we going to change our consumption behavior and overproduction and uh, that kind of thing. So I think we have the we try to have the balance between, well, a really nice, fashionable, good-looking bag and also recycling it, but also creating awareness, making people aware of the impact fashion industry has because... We are aware that flying is bad for the environment, but uh, buying a piece of clothes of five euro, uh, I think a lot of people do that just without thinking a second about it. So uh, Yes, indeed. So we know that the idea of starting your own business can seem overwhelming and a lot of work. And it is easy to get financial risks because there is no turnover yet, but costs are incurred. What would you advise someone that wants to implement sustainability in their startup? Yes. Um, so one of the pitfalls I have is to think really big. So I, I'm quite idealistic. Uh, and when I see a problem, I want to fix it as a whole. Um, and I think with most of the sustainable problems, that is not possible. Uh, so we we cannot save all of the waste at festivals. So I think one of the things uh, you need to do when you start a startup is to think, I just choose one idea and I'm going to make that one idea work. Uh, and we start with festival banners and that's not going to change. Like It's not going to fix everything, but we hope to make uh, an impact by creating awareness. And as we already told... Um, And by focusing on this small thing, we can also make it happen. Uh, so um, I think that would be one of the tips I would I would definitely say. Uh, what about you, Rida? Yeah, so that's that's really important, right? So it's indeed not making the biggest change, but mm, it's also a way how people think about waste, and it changes more than only these these banners that we we save from waste. Um, but also um, we think that the social impact we make is really important and social impact can be quite expensive, right? So when you make your bags at a factory, it's really cheap, but we want <laughs> we want to pay a fair price and don't uh, don't support these big fabrics and, and things like that. So um, 
yeah, it's not on, only about sustainability in the way of climate, but also in sustainability for social justice. So I think it's really important to think about that as well. Yeah, and one of the risks is that um, you cannot compete with these large companies. So people really need to also be interested in sustainability or in the uniqueness of your of your product. Um, so that's also kind of a thing of marketing. And also, I think it's really good to really make good quality and people want to pay for that uh, in our case. So, um, yeah. Yeah, because people see these low prices of bags all the time. They are not quite aware of the price of bags that are handmade and are <laughs> made in the Netherlands and the quality is good. And so you really have to do good marketing and show people that a fair price is not five euros for a bag. <laughs> yeah, because I think what you what you also were saying is that um, the social responsibility you have as an entrepreneur is also quite important to be aware of. So you cannot just uh, look at the climate stuff and make a climate impact, uh, but you need to be aware of the whole... Well, we think we need to be aware of uh, the world and, uh, well, the world we live in, but also on a social aspect. Yes, I, I agree with you with it. But I would also say don't try to fix everything, so be aware of it uh, and make sustainable choices as well. Uh, social choices but don't try to fix it all <laughs> yeah i think that's very important because a lot of people think they cannot make an impact because they see the bigger picture and they think their impact doesn't count but in the end it's like every small step is already a step so yeah yeah and also if you can inspire people to also vote for a green party like if they get more uh, aware of sustainability then you already make a way way more impact. If yeah, and you mentioned fast fashion, the competition with cheaper backpacks and other products. And of course, uh, our podcast is focused on fast fashion. So what would you say that fast fashion influences your business? People are not aware of, of the real price of a product. But it's also, I think there's some kind of shift right now that people are becoming more aware of that these big companies are really not using their powers right and oppressing people and using the wrong materials and so I think there are there are more and more people that are really aware of what they are buying and that they want to spend more on like good products for the environment and for people I think the shift is helping us Yes, I also think there is a positive influence by it because the fast fashion industry is really uh, marketing on unique, well, fast, unique. Every season you need to get a better, be better outfit, better bag, and our bags are quite hip <laughs> and and fashionable. So in some way, I think it attracts the people who who also would go for uh, for a fast fashion outfit. Yeah, and we wanna we wanna make good use of that, <laughs> and uh, convince them that it's better to have a sustainable outfit. So yeah, so we're not f only focus. Yeah, we focus on the not so usual suspects as well, because that can make a bigger impact than only focusing on people that are already aware of what they are buying. So 
As a final question or final reflection, what would you say to our audience who would like to switch to a more sustainable fashion lifestyle? Um, so um, don't expect to change everything at once. We already, we already talked about that. Um, and it's also don't, <laughs> don't lose yourself in this negative spiral of thinking that um, stop consuming meat or stop consuming fish will make a difference because it will because you will talk to your friends about it you will talk to your family about it um, so I think one person can make a really big difference um, and also just start with making little steps with things you feel comfortable with so if you don't want to Uh, stop eating meat all of a sudden and just like don't eat meat in the weekend or something like or don't buy a shirt of five euros <laughs> or don't buy a shirt of five euros or go to go to the thrift shop or like there are so many little things you can do that can have quite a big big impact that <laughs> it can really help so don't see yourself as a really small in this problem but but quite big yes and i also think what you already said don't be too harsh on yourself but also be critical about what you will what what you're gonna do so i think there are so many layers into this story and it's so complex um, that you always need to uh, in some way keep on reading and uh, listening to other stories uh, because sometimes it is socially wrong but environmentally good and Um, for example, I also once wrote that going to a thrift shop is also keep on people buying mm -hmm. stuff. And that's buying stuff is the problem. So uh, it has so many layers in it and, and you're not going to do it all right. Um, so you need to be happy with the things you already do. Uh, and also, uh, uh, well, give yourself credits for that. But you still need to be be reflective about yourself and also see the position you're in and the impact you make. Yeah, yeah. I think that what really helped for me is always thinking: Do I really need this? Because we are really consuming so much. Well, as a student, it's it might be easier because with no money you can buy anything, right? But <laughs> <laughs> if you always think about: Do I really need this? that's already such a big step because we are so used to just buy whatever we want, whatever we like, and then throw it away. Yes, <laughs> and especially weeks. the the generation of the... F well, we focused on the festival generation, but I think uh, if there's a change in this generation, it will really help because that will be the future, future, um, well, politics and everything. Um, I think as a festival generation we really should start up, step up and uh, do something about it. Yeah, I think all you said made a lot of sense. So first of all, I would like to thank you for joining us here today. That was such an interesting talk. And we'd like to encourage all of our listeners to check out the website of Bibeni. It is initiatives like this one that drive a change in the fast fashion industry and give us hope for the future of fashion. <laughs> We 
behaviors and ideas spread amongst us because we are social beings. Have you ever checked out a new TV show or app because a friend or family member was raving about it? Or tried a new recipe because someone wouldn't stop talking about it? Our brains are hardwired to want to fit with others, and when you support certain beliefs and lifestyles, everyone around you unconsciously make note of it. You become a point of reference for them. They automatically ask themselves if they should be doing that thing too, especially if you are close with them. And as Jim Rohn famously said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The inverse of this is also true. The people you spend time with also take... A Okay, I'm going to go again because it's a hard sentence. Okay. And as Jim Brown famously said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The inverse of this is also true. The people you spend... Oh my God, okay, wait. And as Jim Brown famously said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The inverse of this is also true. The people you spend time with also take on a part of you. This means that you are person This means that you personally contribute to the makeup of other people, who they are, how they think, and how they act. By telling you this, we want to inspire you to be that one person that is going to change the habits and influence the people that surround you. By setting an example of how to properly consume or produce fashion, you can help make an impact on the industry. Thank you for listening to this episode of Aware. Keep tuned for next week's episode about circular fashion. If you're new to our podcast, make sure to check out our previous episodes. And feel free to follow our Instagram page at Aware Podcast. See you next time. Music